Amen. Thank you very much, um, Lawrence. And uh, um, look uh, forward to uh, you playing again as well. Uh, so don't worry, if you're visiting with us today, we don't require that uh, you then come share your gifts with us immediately. So uh, uh, just as the, the Lord leads. Uh, welcome as well to those online um, today and those that will be watching this even uh, later this week. I'm uh, Drew Smith, the, the pastor here. And uh, today we are in our last uh, uh, sermon as we've been walking through the uh, book of Romans. Um, and we're made full full circle today. We started at the end and worked our way around now to end with uh, chapter um, 8. And, and today, again, we, we have some material that speaks uh, clearly and directly to all of us. Any that will hear uh, will uh, relate to the context that Paul is speaking to, because uh, he's speaking about fear. Uh, fear in the midst of suffering, fear in the midst of uncertainty, and that's certainly the case in our world and life today. Whether it's the virus or what we've done to try to combat the virus and the economic implications or the huge rise in suicide and addiction and shootings over the last year or um, or if it's just a heat wave that's just overtaking the West and the drought and the wildfires that and that's just in our country. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had the opportunity to hear from John and, and, and Laura uh, Schindeldecker, who are global workers, and they were sharing with us things were going on around the world, like just the utter mess in Beirut. You know, remember, it was a little over a year ago, that huge explosion of which there's been no uh, finding of exactly who, why, or what happened there. And, and uh, Laura shared with us that in Beirut, uh, one out of every six people are refugees that have come from the Syrian war. Can, can you imagine a little country like Beirut where one out of every six is somebody that just showed up and they showed up with a whole lot more needs than they did resources. And, uh, of course, uh, Emily uh, Schindeldecker that we support as well is, is still continues to work with refugees in Iraq uh, where there are still tens of thousands of families uh, who are living in tents. You know, and that's just little pieces of the world in which we live in today. So it's really good to know what we'll see in our passage today is that how Paul speaks to us about how the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, who lives in us, engages with us, communicates to us, uh, secure our security is in God. It, the, that's what we'll see that he communicates to us that the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit gives us security and purpose even in the midst of the, the, the craziness, the moaning, the groaning, the suffering of our world. Um, our, what we'll be looking at again is uh, Romans chapter 8. We'll look at verses 12 through 17 and then we'll jump to 26 through 34. Um, to capture what, how Paul communicates to us this ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, again, we thank you for your written word. It speaks to us of your truth. And we ask now that your, what we just were singing, um, that we would, in this moment, uh, we would hear, open our ears, our, our hearts. Uh, we'd open um, our hands our eyes, to receive from you, Spirit Divine. 
In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I hear, hear the word of the Lord. Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Jump down to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hears, knows, he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. In order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So again, the context here is one in which the, the sufferings, the moanings of this world are um, rampant and they are pressing in upon God's people. And what Paul tells them in the very beginning is, uh, of the, our passage is to know that the Holy Spirit is incessantly communicating with us that we belong to God. The Holy Spirit is incessantly communicating to you and to me that we belong to God. Even in this challenging, terrifying journey of following Jesus in any day and age. We're we're charged with living in any day and age according to the Spirit. To live in obedience um, to God. That's what he says at the beginning when he talks about, you know, you're not to live in the flesh, you're to live in the Spirit. And last week we we talked about this and he goes on through in chapter 7 about the war that is waging inside of us uh, to, to follow the way of the Spirit or to follow the way of the flesh. To, to obey the, the ways of God or to obey our own desires. 
That's the, the war that is waging within us. Part of the suffering of living in, in this time is, is engaging with the sin that's within us and around us and the evil one and who seeks to lead us away from Jesus and the, the work it takes in this particular time to follow after Jesus in any situation. And so that, that's part of the, the suffering and challenging of our, of our, of our lives as Jesus followers. And what Paul wants us to know um, from the beginning in the midst of this war that wages within us and around us um, is that the Spirit speaks to our soul to communicate to us that we are God's children. Here again, verse 15 and 16. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption. As sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the the Holy Spirit of God, the divine spirit, dwells within us and is communicating with us that, uh, that we are adopted into the family of God. That we, uh, that what belongs to God belongs to us. We're, we're heirs, you know, the heirs are what, the, the family wealth is ours, the family business is ours, that also belongs to us. We can cry out to God with boldness, with compassion, Daddy, Abba. That, because we've been adopted into the family. Uh, uh, a favorite theologian of mine thinks this is the greatest truth of the New Testament. That we're adopted into the family of God. I mean, it's, it's one thing that, as we talked about last week, we'll talk about a little bit later, you know, we're justified. We're, we're made right with God. We're glorified. You know, we're perfected by, by God. And we're in this journey of sanctification. It's one thing to be forgiven. That's really nice that we're forgiven. That glory, hallelujah. That's, that's enough. But it's not just that. It, it, it's even more positive. We're, the door is flung open and we're welcomed. To come into the house. And that's where our bed is. That's where our food is. We, we can go to the bathroom whenever we want to. We don't have to ask permission. We got refrigerator rights. The family wealth belongs to us. We've been adopted into the family of God. Not just forgiven. As glorious as that is. So we can call God our daddy. Our father. We can come before him boldly. Um, a colleague of mine um, tells the, the story of a, a couple that were a member, a family, a member of his, his congregation. Um, several several decades ago, actually. Now they they uh, um, and they had teenagers, teenage boys, uh, Graham and Derek, and um, they were particularly connected with a ministry the church supported in another country. And they got news one day that a, a, a mother and father with a six-year-old child named April um, had been in a car accident. Uh, in uh, they, they were participants in this ministry from this uh, particular country. And, when, um, and the parents died. And so they were putting out a request to see if somebody wanted to adopt April. And this, this family uh, with two teenage boys said, felt... God calling them to adopt April. So they, they, they did. And in April, they had lived in, in basic provisional poverty her entire life. I mean, it was where they don't know where the next meal was coming from. 
Um, and that, that kind of existence was there. So they were you know, very frugal in their family. And she came and lived in, in this you know, affluent American family um, and sat down for dinner, one of the first, first nights. And it was pork chops, mashed potatoes, green beans. The, uh, 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 remember them uh, telling this story? And, you know, it's one of the boys' favorite meals. They're teenage boys. So you know what happens, you know? Piranhas, you know, food. It starts going. They start eating. And, you know, it's about seven minutes, you know, and all the bowls are empty. Well, your mom was watching April this time. And she got her, her food. But when all the bowls were empty and April was sitting there, she... She got really concerned look on her face and she sort of closed up and heard just her body language and uh, mom was sensitive to that and, and, and wondered, you know, if, if April's existence has been, you never know where the next meal's gonna come and you get this bounty, bountiful food that you think, well, this is the kind of food that lasts us a whole week. Um, and then it's gone. Yeah, she, she wonders, is that what's going on with April? So she gets April and she takes her over to the, 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 the bread box and she opens it up and there's two and a half loaves of bread. And she pulls out the opened, already opened loaf and says to April, yeah, this is bread. This is yours. And she takes and give her, gives her a piece of bread and puts it back and shuts it. Takes her over to the refrigerator and pulls open the fruit drawer, pulls out an apple. Says so this is an apple. This is the fruit drawer. This apple. This is yours, and, and gives it to, to April. And then she pulls out the vegetable drawer. Pulls out a carrot. And says this is a carrot. This carrot is your your carrot. You can have. And so she starts loading her up. And then she ends up going to the pantry. She goes to the pantry, and then she pulls out a little Debbie oatmeal cream pie. Yes, we are in the kingdom. And she takes that out. And she puts that. And, and by the end of going through and telling her what all the foods are and that they're hers, she now has this cornucopia in her little arms of the food that is hers. And she, this, this face changes. The smile comes on her face. Mom takes uh, everything and puts it back and says, this is yours and where yours will be except for the piece of bread, which then April takes, skips off, and goes and plays while eating her bread. April just needed to know that everything in the house was hers. And she needed to know everything that was in the house. And she was set at ease. That that is what the Holy Spirit does with us. Ministers to our soul to say, "Do do you see what is the Father's? You're a child. Do you you see what Jesus has done? You're, You're his brother. You're, you're a member of the family. Now, my question for us, uh, the challenge for us is, is, do we do what we just sang about? Do we take time of prayer in silence so that we can listen to the Holy Spirit? Now, I know uh, many of you pray, I pray, and I do a lot of talking, and I know you do a lot of talking. Do you stop and just listen? And do we do what we were just singing? Spirit divine, speak to me. What, what do you want to say to me, Holy Spirit? You're in me. This is the work you're doing. What do you want me to do? So, one of my challenges for each of us is to develop a habit daily of sitting in silence 10 minutes. 
For those of you that not spent time in talent in, in silence, you're like, whoa, that's forever. And you're right, it is. But then if you continue to do that, you'll realize it's very little time. You might be saying, well, how do I know if I sit for 10 minutes? How do I know this is the voice of the Spirit and not some other voice? That's a great question. Glad you asked. That's why we have the wonderful gift of the Bible. We we say that this is God's Word written. So we need to be silent so that we cut out all the other voices. So that we can hear the Spirit, as the Spirit is speaking to us, as Paul says, as the, the Word promises. And, and we need to train our ears to the voice of God. And what a gift that we have, His written Word, to tell. This is what God has said. These are the stories God has told. This is the story that God has lived. These are the, the, the events that happen with God and God's people. We get to know the very character of God. We train our ears to the voice of God. Because the, the, the Holy Spirit's voice will never say anything that is not in alignment with what the God the Father has written in His Word. I mean, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The, the, the Trinity, the three in one. But they are in perfect unity and relationship with one another. So as we read the word, that trains us. Um, I spent some time recently with um, uh, uh, the, our newest, the, the last baby that was baptized, Majesty. Uh, parents are a ball and uh, Isabel. And was with them, and Majesty's in her car seat, you know, asleep. And as we're in this group talking, all of a sudden a ball starts, starts talking. He's behind Majesty, and I can see Majesty's face, you know, and her eyes open up, and she just sort of listens that way. And then ball stops talking, um, uh, which takes a while. You can tell him I said that. Um, but then when that, then she goes back to sleep until Isabel, her mom. You know, she starts talking and eyes open back up again. You know, you see that with babies all the time. They've been trained. You know, they've been, they're listening now for the voice of their mother, the voice of their father. That's what happens to us, children of God. When we spend time in the Word, hearing God's voice. I mean, what a great gift. You know, what, what, what if we spent 10 minutes every day, created a habit? What habit works for you? I don't care, it's 10 minutes, 15, 5. What, what this is the time that works for you to sit in God's presence, to listen to the Spirit, to hear His Word on a regular basis? Uh, I, I know um, I've been, uh, one of the things I took up during uh, COVID was started playing a video game. It's not a fancy video game. It's not an all fingers video game like my son p- and plays. Uh, it's a, um, a one finger video game. But it, it tells me uh, how many hours I've been playing it. You know, I started in February, January, February. I've been play. I've played that game 147 hours. Yeah, many of you have some of the same things with video games or your phone. They'll tell you how much screen time you've spent on it in the just in the last week, right? It's sort of amazing how time adds up, isn't it? So imagine what what if you did spend? So if I spent ten minutes in each of those every day, I'd spend only half the amount of time that I spent playing that video game. But but ten minutes with God is much greater than any 10-minute period with anyone else. And I'd rather start there. 
and then move you know, beyond. But that, that, that is the challenge for us as followers of Jesus. Because believing that the Spirit incessantly speaks to us. That we are, fam- we are family with one another. We are family with Jesus. Our Heavenly Father is indeed our Heavenly Father. And what is His is ours. The, the second thing that the Spirit speaks to us um, about here that Paul tells us is how the Holy Spirit strengthens us in our weakness. Um, uh, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. Now, now Paul is speaking particularly to the depth of some of the suffering that we engage. And and as we read through the passage, and and even the part that we didn't read, what Paul, again, is, is speaking to the brokenness of our world. The suffering that we will face. The, the, the key words, if you go through the passage immediately before this, is, it uses are sufferings, futility, bondage, groaning. And that's why he says here, the Spirit uh, groans with us. Because of our weakness and because of the evil of our world. Suffering will be ours as we follow Jesus in this world. If somebody told you to follow Jesus means you get to get, you get to avoid suffering, they sold you the wrong bill of goods. That is not what God's word says to us. No, there is struggle, as I mentioned, we talked about last week. There's real struggle in this life, and it is the journey of sanctification. It's the journey of being made, um, right, uh, of, of living right with God. Um, uh, Anjali, can you pull up that slide with the justification, sanctification, and glorification? Um, yeah, mentioned this last week, you know, and, and we see this in the, the passage here. Uh, that justification is when we're made right by God. And that, that's what happens with Jesus on the cross. We're made right by God with God. We are right with God, forgiven. And ado- another way, this is another way of saying adoption. That is, that has happened. That is legally the case. Sanctification is living right with God right now in real time in real space. Glorification is when we are perfected by God, when Jesus returns and we're given our glorified body and in the fullness, each of us in the fullness of our unique created personality, then we will live in the fullness of God. And that's still to come. Justification has happened. It is finished at the cross. Glorification will come when Jesus returns. And now we're on this journey of maturity called sanctification being made right with God um, the you know, sanctification officially the, the Greek word means to be made holy which is to be set apart um, really what, what Paul um, gives us here is, is the whole purpose of this suffering the whole purpose of the spirit groaning for us and joining with us in the struggle of this life of seeking to follow Jesus he gives in verses 28 and 29 which is a very famous verse you see you go in any Christian store you'll find this verse on some pillow or on some plaque or on, on some frame it'll be somewhere there but it's usually only the first part of it And we know that those, this is verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And that's usually where it stops. 
You know, all things work together for good. And that's true. The only question is, how do you define good? You know, if all things work together for good, then for many of us, that means, well, how come the Reds didn't win the World Series last year? Not not, not a lot of Reds fans in here today. Or you've, you've, you've really lost hope. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Okay, well, that's you and me. We're called by God and we're called for God's purpose. Remember, God calls us for God's purpose. He doesn't call us for our purpose, which is often how we engage with God. God, will you help me accomplish my plans? This is not what God calls us to accomplish God's plans. And I got news for you. I know God's plans are better than mine. And I got a hankering. God's plans are better than yours as well. So he calls us. Those are calling to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. So this is he foreknew them. He predestined. This is his purpose. What is his purpose? To be conformed to the image of his son. All things work together for good, and good is that you and I are transformed more and more into the character of Jesus. That's what is good. That's the work of sanctification. That's the the war waging within us that we talked about last week. That's what God is doing. And in every single instance of life, The suffering, the moaning, the groaning, the weakness, the pain, the evil. God is a master of taking what is bad and making it good. The greatest work he ever did was bringing life out of death. And that's what he does in all of our lives. That's what the Spirit is doing within us. Strengthening us. In our weakness as we're on this journey of sanctification. I think one of the key purposes of the church is that we're co-sanctifiers. You know, we're, we're support and help with one another on this journey. We need one another to to help pull us back onto the path on on this journey because the pain, the suffering, it's real. The the temptations and challenges of just chunking it or just coasting or just satisfying from us, uh, looking for my own comfort, they are real. And I succumb to those temptations regularly. And I need others who are also on the journey to help pick me up, call me in, whether it's direct or indirect. That's the purpose of the church. That's why God has called us together. And that's the whole point of the book of Rome. That's why the rest of the book, from 9 through 16, if you remember when we looked through it, it's about the church. It's about how we engage with one another. It's about why and how we pursue harmony as followers of Jesus. The Holy Spirit... Is at work in us, speaking to our very souls of our security as children of God. And the Holy Spirit is at work, interceding for us to shore up our own weaknesses on this terrifying journey. And ultimately, the Holy Spirit is at work, confirming our security with God forever. 
The last part of the passage that I didn't read, that I'll read here in a minute, is Paul really just ending with this huge celebration of truth. That everything in God's refrigerator is ours, and we have refrigerator rights. That our arms are filled with a cornucopia of God's blessings. That, that God is at work in us every step of the way in life, no matter what comes our way. Confirming that we are secure in Him forever. Here, here for the first time this um, uh, this morning, uh, but you've uh, many will have heard this many times before. But now you know the context. Now you know why Paul ends with such uh, this this huge acclamation of celebration, uh, starting with verse thirty-five. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In other words, we don't just survive, we thrive. We are transformed in this process. We don't just try to make it to the end. We are on this journey for a purpose today, not just when we get to see him. So we're more than conquerors. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's what the Holy Spirit is at work communicating to your soul every moment of every day, even in the greatest of pain, that you are adopted. I mean, legally, your sign sealed and delivered. Your family wealth is secure and known. That you have one who encourages, who comes alongside you and me in the midst of our struggles and challenges. And supports us, strengthening us in our weakness. So aren't you excited about developing a habit? Of, of, of listening to this spirit speak to us in this way, to engaging in this good word that, that it, that it is the word, the words of life to sit with them and to let them continue to form us on this journey together. Let those, those habits, if you have them, great, keep them and, and keep them with the, your eyes and ears open all the more in line with what the spirit is doing. And if you don't, then start them and develop them because th- this, this is the security. This is the seatbelt. This is the reality that we're on this ride and it goes upside down, inside out, tumble, tumble, and it can crash at times. But at all times, God is the sovereign one who is using everything for good to transform me and you into the likeness of Jesus. Speak to us. Let us hear your voice. Spirit divine. Amen. Let's pray together.